Hello, and welcome to the Fantasy Rewind Podcast. I am your co-host, Dylan Stoll, and I'm joined as always by my friend, Michael Wifford. House, House of Dragons, episode two, called episode two. Right? Yeah, so I was just going to say, I was like, this is House of the Dragon discussion for episode two, titled episode two, because when I watched the series, um, they didn't have the title up for episode two here. Not sure if that has changed since, but to my knowledge, it has not. Um, So we will get into the discussion here for the breakdown of that. But before we get into that, I'm going to give you out the reminders here. If you want to get into contact with the show, you can do so at Fantasy Rewind Pod on Instagram, at Fantasy Rewind on Twitter, or Fantasy Rewind Pod at gmail.com if you want to send us an old-fashioned email. So, if you do that, we'll send you guys stickers. Got holographic, got non-holographic. They all look amazing. So, if you want a sticker, make sure you reach out. All right, Mike, jumping right in here with the content for this House of the Dragon episode two. What were your general thoughts on the show for this episode? It was good. Uh, I was surprised that we haven't really had, outside of episode one with the mom and the child dying, we really haven't had too much in terms of action. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like in game of thrones i guess i'm holding it to game of thrones because you know same universe and everything but it felt like every episode somebody else was dying at least that first season or you know the first couple seasons i guess maybe i'm just remembering it differently well i mean did you miss the part where everyone was getting fed to the crabs well yeah but no major no no one major died you're right and i was really expecting it to happen you know in this episode so i thought this episode is good um for different reasons Mm -hmm. but i enjoyed it um what were your thoughts Dylan? so my first takeaway um for that i want to talk about with this is what i want to say right now is the time jump so six month time jump there i think it's important to just address that that right off the bat here i didn't mind it actually i thought it was a little random at first but then once everybody started talking about it oh you know like it's been six months since my mother died i think it's time my dad found a new wife you know like she wasn't the one saying that um but it was obviously other people words like six months my lord you can take a new wife now and so i thought the six month time jump was a little odd yeah well it was definitely important for the progressing the story and everything that happened yeah. in this story in order for us to have that six-month time jump. I still had a f- few issues with some of the things they did. Agreed. Um, and I think I think they did some of it for a shock factor, like at the end of the episode, but I still didn't... I don't know. I didn't feel like it was pa- as plausible or believable as it could have been, you know? Right. And so for me, I know it's like if this was all the action we got after six months, like that six month kind of like huffing and puffing of like Damon being angsty that he wasn't at court. I'm, we don't need to see that necessarily. So I'm cool with it on there. Um, what has me a little bit worried about this though, is just at this pace, how quickly we'll get to the dance of dragons. And if that's going to be at the end of the season, we finally get there. If this is going to slow down eventually, or are we going to keep seeing this progress at a rapid pace here, where it was a six-month time jump from episode one to two, maybe it's another six months from two to three, I have no idea how fast this is going to go, but I just kind of want them to let this series slow down and breathe a little bit, because that's where House of the Dragon, I think, so far is thriving, 
in its storytelling, in its character building, in more of the like drama, slow burn side of things as opposed to like constant action, action, action like the last couple seasons of Game of Thrones. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. I would disagree with you a little bit on some of the character parts because it feels at least for some characters a little stagnant like Damon because we don't see that much of him it's just like angsty man and now he we see his wife not wife like yeah uh, you know it just I I want if we're gonna do it slow and do it slow and that's fine but we need to get some of everyone so see I felt like Damon took a back seat in this episode and I mean, we're kind of jumping right in here, but that's totally fine. Um, Damon took a backseat in this episode, and I felt like uh, it was really good to see, like, what happened after episode one with Rhaenyra. Princess Rhaenyra, at the end of episode one there, she was being hailed as, you know, the heir to the throne, and now nothing's changed for her. And she's kind of fed up with that. Because she's still pouring wine for the old men at the table, not wanting to, or not being able to share her views. And when she does share her views, she's being silenced and told, go do something else. So I felt like it was good to show, like, her character, like, starting to show some discontentment with the status quo of what's been happening here. But also, like, the other character part I really liked is I really liked King Viserys in this episode. I felt like yes. he had a lot of good character moments in this him. one. Um, Al- uh, Alicent uh, Hightower as well had some good moments, I thought. Um, some not so much, but mostly pretty good. Um, the other person, though, I felt like had a lot of growth or a lot of highlighting in this episode was Corlys Valerian and Princess Rhaenys as well, um, his wife. I'd agree with all those characters you just listed. I think the only like relationship that I probably would say I didn't find so believable, maybe because there just wasn't enough time or just moments between them, I guess, would be between King uh, Viserys mm-hmm. and Alicent. See, so the thing you got to remember, though, is that when Viserys's wife died in episode one here, that night, Otto Hightower, Hand of the King, said, hey, Alicent, go comfort the king. And she's been with him nonstop for the last six months. So she's been knowingly or unknowingly wooing the king to her side that entire time there. And so when Corlys Valerian proposes his daughter's hand for marriage for in this episode, which is the big plot point of this episode, um, with King Viserys saying, no, she's too young. She's a 12-year-old girl. I'm not going to make her my wife, which good for Viserys, I can say. <laughs> Um, but like all that time when the king wasn't even thinking about marrying again, Alicent has been there for him. Alicent gave him the renewed dragon figurine that was broken there. I'm uh, just kind of symbolizing how she's going to help heal House Targaryen, basically, with her taking the broken dragon and making it whole again. And so interesting. In metaphor there but yes I, i'd agree with that so yeah, i felt like a lot of that, that relationship yeah. building was done behind the scenes that's fair i guess uh i don't know there was just something missing for me there because you know he's like are you gonna go see the king again tonight and like all this little here and there like whisper whisper it just felt little like it was just kind of like friendly talks like i never got the vibe that he viewed her as anything more than just someone to talk to see, and i don't think he Which, did 
and that's the thing was good yeah. but i would i would have wanted something to maybe sway him just a little bit more in that direction like oh now i feel like i could marry you see i feel like the you king never like king viserys i don't feel like he ever viewed alicent as more than just a friendly companion however mm-hmm. once the topic of you need to marry again comes up and he's being forced or he's having this 12 year old girl being like shoved down his throat of you need to marry her yeah he's like i don't want to she should i don't want to marry her like he yeah. for political reasons he probably should have wow oh no no that's exactly yeah. why and I, I mean, I'm saying that I agree completely with, you know, ethical reasons yes. not to do it, uh, because th- I think the thing, the theme of this episode, like you're saying, is the big decision was the marriage. Right. But like you said in the first episode where he is getting injured by the Iron Throne and he's basically just becoming weaker and weaker yep. as a king. It just continued. It did. And I don't think that him making this decision like he did helps that in any way shape or form i agree with you i feel like that he is looking at this decision on marrying allison not as what's best for the realm but almost like this is kind of what i want now because how i feel about it is he loved his wife emma she died and now he had no intention of marrying again i feel like and now he's being told you need to marry again and rather than have somebody he doesn't want being forced upon him, I feel like he's saying, you know, Allison, I like talking with you. I could I could see us having children together and kind of talking himself into that as opposed to like choosing someone he likes as opposed to choosing somebody for political move- maneuvers, basically. Yeah, that's fair. And I think, too, like the conversation with her and then, you know, kind of the reconnection with her his daughter probably helped that yeah. as well like oh like you know it's because of her that this happens and yeah all right so sticking with like some of the other things that happen in this episode because i feel like the best way to talk about this isn't to go play by play but kind of paint in broad strokes and kind of talk about what we want to talk about here so we kind of covered the whole marriage bit um let's cover the next part like the sort of power dynamics within the realm and then we'll do Damon last. How's that sound? No, that sounds good. And I feel like a good point to talk about here is just highlighting the small council again here. Mm-hmm. Because we see the small council talking with King Viserys about how anybody you want to marry has to have the approval of the small council. Oh, Renera, you want to speak your piece here? quiet the small council is talking (laughs) you know like there's Mm -hmm. all these power dynamics at play here and you see it in like all those meetings with otto hightower and the king where hightower just kind of dominates all the conversations he's a part of so what are your thoughts about otto hightower because i have i have a few things i think about him he's a kind of a conflict he's kind of an interesting character in that i'm like I have sort of different viewpoints on him, but I'm not quite sure how how other people may feel. That's why I'm so what I'll say about Otto Hightower is that he is portrayed a little differently than he is in the books. In the books, he's way more like king and country above all first, and doesn't really at least what I'm remembering, doesn't really have political ambitions. It's more of, like, he wants what's best for the realm here. 
And when you are seeing him on screen here, he reminds me way more of Littlefinger and way more of, like, somebody who is doing anything they can to, like, underhandedly stay in power and get more power. And having his daughter marry the king, prime example here. Having his daughter go and, like, unknowingly woo the king for six months before he's even ready to look for marriage. Again, sly fox move going in after all the power without raising any red flags. So I think it's interesting how you said how he was in the book where it was like king and country and then, you know, you're comparing him to Littlefinger. And I would uh, I would most of this episode, I was thinking that he's a wimp. He's like a wimp. He doesn't want to take action that could hurt someone else, even though it could be the correct action for the realm, really, uh, in some ways or. But at the end there, when, you know, Damon comes up, he's like, I'll go. You don't have to go. And I'm just like. Uh, okay. <laughs> I was like, you're going to go and die. <laughs> right? Like, he was totally going to his death there. And, mm-hmm. but the thing you got to think about with him, he knew that. He knew Damon had a dragon. He knew that he Damon had his own army of gold cloaks there on Dragon Mount waiting for him. But he went anyway. He went and he followed through on what he saw. We were talking about Salmon and Duty. What we he saw as his duty going on there to take the place of the king where the king can't be risked to like go into open conflict with his brother because of what that could mean for the realm where Otto Hightower he's like I'm I'm cool with it I'm probably gonna die I'm like having that like put on my mail for the final time scene going on there and then marches off and gets saved by Rhaenyra because Daemon was about to feed those guys to his dragon (laughs) Yeah, he he is an he's kind of an interesting character because I feel like he is kind of going between these two areas, vying for power, but God and country. It's almost like he wants Viserys to act certain ways. Yeah, is really kind of how it comes down to like I want you to be like me, like be this kind of like uh, political, like it's all about alliances and like looks and appearances you know tourneys and choosing knights that have connections to good families that don't necessarily have field combat experience um that's more important and you know renera is just like what are you doing dude you're an idiot right yeah she's like wait so you're telling me that i could choose the one guy who's actually fought people for real before or choose all these other people that have put on a parade I'm choosing the guy that has actual experience and not to mention he's the only person there that has beaten Damon in a hand to hand fight. Yeah. <laughs> and he and he's like, it's the, you don't say no to these houses. And it's yeah. just like, no, dude, your your views on what's important your priorities aren't in the right place. And I, I feel like he views, like, it's the law, so people have to follow the law. And, like, Damon doesn't do that, which is why he's dangerous. And so that's why I just feel like, you know, we're going to see things come to a head here probably in the next episode or two. Yeah. Uh, where we're going to see the king probably, in my opinion, probably die. <laughs> or at least Otto. Somebody's going to die soon. <laughs> because we have a lot of, un like... Not on action. What's the word when we're not making any moves, doing anything really? Uh, I don't know what you're kind of getting at, but I think I know what you're saying like we're having a lot of like sitting on your hands, a lot of like posturing yes. and stuff, yeah. but not a lot of combat yeah. and action yet. 
Well, yeah, because like with the like we talked about at the beginning there, the crab, the crab eating man. Yeah, the crab feeder. Yeah, the crab feeder. There we go. And we get a resolution to that sort of towards the end of the well, what I think is going to be a resolution to that. We get a tease of, of a episode. resolution. <laughs> yeah. So I think that kind of covers like where the sort of realm is right now. We have the king and his small council kind of like you had said sitting on their hands really not making any action any which way with some of these threats that are occurring, whether that's his brother or the crab feeder. Right, and what's funny is if you look at what happened last episode, six months ago, he was warned about the crab feeder. Six Mm -hmm. months ago, he was warned, don't just ignore Damon. He's dangerous Mm -hmm. right now. And now everything is starting to boil and boil and come into a little bit of a head here. Yeah. He's it. It kind of seemed like he's just kind of, yeah. He's he's expecting things to kind of work out because he's the king. Yeah. I just wanted to say on my last note here is I was really impressed with Rhaenyra in this episode. Mm-hmm. I really like her a lot. Her character is awesome. She's showing like what ruling should be. She wants to make a point that women can rule too, and she wants to prove her aunt and everyone else wrong so like her aunt is what i want to talk be... about right now actually oh yeah go for so it. i just wanted to bring up we have renera talking with her aunt the queen that never was you know princess uh Rhaenys. and so you have these two women who were both in positions of power uh Rhaenys in the past and renera currently here but it seems like one of her biggest one of renera's biggest critics is her aunt like, is the queen that never was, who might be a little jealous about not being picked for uh, the queen of Westeros, and then watching her brother, who she lost out to in that, appoint his daughter, and say, no, it's not okay for you to be the queen, it's okay for her, though, she can be queen, you know? And that's why when Rhaenys was like, the men of Westeros will never let a woman sit on the Iron Throne. They'd burn it. They'd burn it to the ground first. And Rhaenyra is like, no, they just didn't want you. <laughs> They'll be okay with me. They knelt to me. And so we're going to be seeing, though, like a lot of a lot of cool power struggles, a lot of good dynamics build up throughout the season here so far. And that relationship between Rhaenyra and Rhaenys is definitely one to watch. I will be interested to see if that goes in any direction a little bit more because I do see what you're saying and what she said about like or about her being jealous. But I also think, too, that she's trying to give her a dose of reality. Like, you know, they will kill you (laughs) instead of having to bow to you. Oh, no, she fell ill, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. But let's let's get get over to Damon because I think he did a lot of really interesting things in this episode with which uh, are really cool like he went and he stole a dragon egg for his so this part is <laughs> the biggest difference between the book and the show so far so in the book okay. Lady Misery uh, like I had already mentioned that's going to be her that's her title that's how I'm kind of referring to her as here she actually mm-hmm. does marry Damon she actually does get pregnant Whereas in the show here, Damon steals this dragon egg to kind of like say, oh, my new wife is pregnant. I'm going to put this egg in the cradle, just like it's tradition to in our Targaryen family. 
And meanwhile, Lady Misery's like, you were going to marry me? And then you lied about having a child with me? I can't have kids. I made sure of that years ago. So it's like somebody who was in her profession, you know, obviously probably took precautions to make sure that unwanted pregnancy didn't happen. And Mm -hmm. then seeing that on the screen here, like I said, is a little bit different than what we, uh, what we get from fire and blood, but it also shows like where Damon's head is at. He's kind of at that moment where he's still kind of throwing the bird up to King Viserys by taking the egg his dead son was going to have in his cradle and saying, no, that's going to be my child's dragon. And, you know, just kind of throwing everything in the face of the king, disobeying about where he's going, you know, landing on Dragonstone and staying there, making camp there, as opposed to going back to his lady wife. He's really just trying to begging like, for see how right much now. he can get away with, right? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, that's kind of Yeah, so but I also do want to point out at the end when Damon was having that conversation with Corliss, who I do want to talk about a little bit as well. Uh, when he was having mm-hmm. that conversation with Corliss Valerian at the end of the show there, and Corliss started bad mouthing Viserys, Damon was like, Hey, watch your mouth. That's my brother. Only I'm allowed to pick on him. <laughs> So I thought that part still showed that Damon, despite everything, is still very loyal to his own family at the end of the day. Yeah, he's just kind of, yeah, he's uh, he's an interesting character for those reasons because it seems like he's like doing everything to show like, hey, I could, I'm gonna be king, but at the same time, it's he's not quite to that point yet, you know? No, I mean he was ready um, to slaughter Otto Hightower, but then when it came time for him to destroy and murder princess Renera, he wouldn't do it he's like no i i can't do this here take the stupid egg and throws it to her and and storms off walking away yeah very interesting character but i do like that conversation at the end between corliss and himself because i feel like corliss is planting the seeds to eventually get um you know even though maybe damon doesn't want to uh rip things from Viserys like he just wants to show him like what's what mm-hmm. by going down this path and starting to take care of some of the you know realm's problems yeah better than the king can like fighting the he's going to himself. start yes he's going to start getting gaining support of the people and some of the other lords and stuff and so that's going to cause a lot more tension and it'll be interesting to see what happens after this because I feel like you're going to have Corlys trying to sort of maybe move Damon in certain directions, and you're going to have Otto trying to move Viserys in certain directions. So. The difference, though, is that I don't feel like, no matter how politically savvy Corlys Valerian tries to be, I feel like he's not going to be able to guide Damon in the same way that Otto Hightower can guide Viserys. But oh, completely what agree. I will say is that you are seeing the shifting allegiances of you know House Valerian, Corlys Valerian, and Princess Rhaenys, shifting a little bit away from the king being more outsiders now that they've been spurned by the king and the crown and everything and it's just another you know it's another prick where Rainey's was denied the crown prick now they're being denied their marriage to the king even though their daughter had the best like claim to be the king's new consort prick you know how much more are they going to take before they full-on publicly join Damon as opposed to supporting him from the shadows. 
some interesting thoughts there with that. Um, I thought it was interesting too when he was talking about House Valyrian being older than House Targaryen even, and I thought that was pretty neat. Mm-hmm. It does show like he's worked his entire life to get to where he is and to become so powerful, and yet he's still denied the ultimate goal, even though he's had to work ten times harder than all these other lords and whatnot. And I think it has to really hurt Corliss, or at least you know get under his skin when he walks into that small council meeting is like, Hey, like there's this huge problem. And they're just like, Oh, ho, ho, ho. we'll deal with that later. Or well, I've sent an envoy. Uh, and he's just like the heck my entire empire, everything I've worked for is built off of the things that are being destroyed right now. And you guys don't care. Yeah. We'll pay you some money for that. Like, no, that doesn't, that doesn't equate to what I'm actually losing here. Yeah, and I mean, I think Corliss said it best. He's like, the only thing, the only difference between House Valyrian and House Targaryen is that while House Valyrian were the ship lords, House Targaryen were the dragon lords. And the dragons, mm-hmm. again, that's how it's called House of the Dragon. It is, they are so important to the reign of the Targaryens. They're so important to the stranglehold that the Targaryens have, not only over Westeros, but over the rest of the world as well, like over in Essos and the free cities of Bravos, where all this is happening uh, with the crab feeder and everything. They've never challenged Westeros before. They've always been open trading with Westeros because of their fear of the dragons. They don't want these dragons to come over there and take them out. They don't care about these ships. Corlys Valerian, like he said, had built his house up or helped build his house up from nothing, basically from these scraps here and all of that means nothing when you compare it to the living weapon of the dragon and what that means in terms of power in this world that we're seeing right now Uh, one last little note on the dragons is i think it's really neat again we get more lore like you have these dragon keepers who keep these eggs and like this is still a thing right now whereas during game of thrones time nope Right, and while they're all speaking Old Valyrian as well, so like mm-hmm. they all speak a different language than the rest of the Westerosi and everything, and so that is really cool to see. And like something happens later on that makes sure that these dragon keepers, you know, don't make it to modern Game of Thrones time. But and you're begging for action okay. here. Let me just tell you, like once the dance starts, we're gonna be we're gonna be seeing some bloodshed. So is the dance like a battle or is it like a war kind of thing? I guess we'll find out. I mean, I know, but oh my gosh. <laughs> no, it is. That's fair. It's a metaphor. I'll do the same thing to you during singing. dance is a metaphor. I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, but yeah, it's uh, going to be fun to to see once that actually begins, and definitely looking forward to it. Um, so all in all, oh. I felt like this episode, while it was still good, while I still enjoyed it, it didn't quite hit as high mm-hmm. as episode one for me. I felt like it was still good and still keeping me interested, obviously. But I am starting to, like, have a little, like, wonderings about a couple things regarding the pacing and everything, like I had mentioned. And we know from the little trailer at the end of the first episode that we're going to see an age-up happen eventually as well. And so I'm just going to be a little... I'm a little hesitant around that just because of what that means as far as pacing and everything i really don't want them to get to the end of season one having completed a bunch of stuff already and like i want this show to have room to grow room to breathe and for that to happen i feel like they need to not be so rushed 
Now, the Dance of Dragons, though, is it this big, long event? Yes. Okay, interesting. It's not a singular so they event. Are gonna, it's they uh, are going to try to push this over multiple seasons, then? I, that would be my bet, is I would, I would imagine that... How I would imagine this happening is that the end of season one would kind of launch the dance. And then you'd okay. see the Dance of Dragons take place over seasons two and three. Is how I would kind of hope they would do it. But Interesting. we'll see. These are hour-long episodes. Yeah. I, I guess, like, I don't see this event possibly being as long as, like, Game of Thrones. It, it definitely cannot be. Like, um, should not be yeah. nine seasons, eight seasons long. Well, no. Like, even close to that, though. Because I feel it's just one book, isn't it? Yeah, it's a single book. But it's also hundreds of years of history of House oh, Targaryen. okay. So that makes sense. So they could really, um, like, sort of not fluff it, you know, out, but they could definitely take some time and go deeper into some things than probably the book does. For sure. I mean, like I said, there are there are major plot points that I know they will not get to this season. And I don't know, again, like, if they'll, if they'll kind of shift it because what happens during this uh, House of the Dragon storyline, basically, that we're in right now, this Dance of Dragons... It will eventually lead into the Dunk and Egg storyline. And so <clears throat> I'm not sure if that will be the same show or if they will shift over to a new show and call it something different at that point in time. If they'll even make it that far, who knows? Uh, but I would really hope that we don't get into the Dance of Dragons mid-season one. I would really hope we at least kind of get close to it by the end of the season and maybe end the season with the opening opening steps of the dance cool i think it, i mean yeah i don't know i'm here for the ride though <laughs> all right but i think that's all we got for you guys as far as house of the dragon season one episode two no working title yet at this time here what were your thoughts as far as episode two here compared to episode one comparing it to game of thrones and just standing on its own merit did you like it did you not like it so much let us know all right but with all that said this is two nerds signing off see ya bye